All right, all you podcast listeners, I managed to poke and prod Ryan Sage a little bit and save you some money on merch. So use code PODCAST23 at checkout. Save yourself 20% on your favorite FD merch, with the hats, shirts, lanyards, whatever it is that you want. Use code PODCAST23 at checkout. Save that money. Get yourself some cool FD stuff, and we'll see you out there. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Outer Zone, the official podcast of Formula Drift. My name is Jacob Gettins, and we have... Ryan Literal. What's going on, buddy? What's up, guys? I, I feel like you are a man that is lacking in nicknames. The only one that I could pull up, I think, was from your China days, and that was Fashion Show, which is a phenomenal nickname. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a man of many outfits, I, I do think it fits quite well. You know, yeah, especially back <laughs> then. We went to uh, this, like, we were, when we went to Beijing, we went to this, um, like, a barter market, and they had this, like, yeah. really cool like fur jacket that I got for like 10 bucks and it was super tight and I would always wear it every time I went so I don't know sunglasses oh, that's awesome. I don't know I like to I like to be now I don't want to say I like expensive clothes but I like I like to be fashionable you know yeah I feel like you like truly like your like evolution of like attire and stuff too is like constantly changing like going through you've had many looks like there's like long hair Ryan You've gone mm -hmm. shorter, you've gone beard, no beard. Like you, and, and what's funny is like, I can still tell it to you, but you very much look like a different person in any of those styles, which is great. You're like a, like a chameleon. I just like to change it up sometimes. Get bored, yeah. try, try something else, you know? Yeah. Are you, are, are you keeping the beard for now? Like that, that's, this is like the longest stint I think you've had the beard. Yeah, for now. Sometimes like it gets too Amish. And then like ah. I'll pick at it and then I'll have like little spots. So then I'm like, oh, I got to, it's got to go. So do you, do you do like the shave down? Like I can't grow facial hair. This is like a week. And like, will you do the like shave this section and then like just leave a mustache and just like kind of look at it and be like, yeah, maybe I should just rock a mustache. I've done, I've done that a couple of times, but usually like if it goes the whole thing, I'm taking the whole thing. I'll just okay. start it all, start it off. Fresh. Yeah. Just yeah. get rid of it all. Just be done yeah. with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's too funny. Yeah. I don't know. It's good, man. I think the beard suits you. I mean, I think I think you've got a similar like baby face as I do. Like we're both like big cheek guys, mm -hmm. whereas we're going to be like 55, 60 and people are still going to think we're in our late 30s, early 40s. So yep. I th there's something something to be said about that. Yeah, I feel like I look like I'm 17. If I shave all this down, I get carded still. So do you? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. sweet. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. Um. Dude, you've been you've been in this game a lot longer than even I knew. So when we did the podcast with Odie, I didn't realize you introduced Odie to drifting. Yep. That's wild to me. Cause like I look at Odie as like one of like the old guys in drifting, if you will. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you one look younger than he does and you introduced him to it just just is is insane. How how did you get into this? Uh, I actually started playing Initial D when I was a kid, you know, like the arcade game. And like yeah. during the summers, uh, there was like a local arcade water park uh, that was out here in the Inland Empire. And uh, I would just play that game all the time. And then actually the kids that I would play that game with, because I grew up racing dirt bikes when I was a kid. And like like my uncle, my dad, they all race. So in the Inland Empire, that's like big. So you ride dirt bikes or quads you know the side by side side by sides weren't really a thing when i was a kid but especially yeah. where i lived it's like a lot of single track stuff like 
lots of acreage. If you watch a lot of like the pro freestyle guys, they, they go to that spot a lot. So growing up in that area, that's kind of what we did. And that's how I met Odie actually. Um, but yeah, I would just go and, uh, they convinced, they started getting cars. I was like, I want to say I was like 12 years old when I started playing that. And then I would play like Gran Turismo at home. I would like, I just like, I loved it. You know, like I was, oh, I've always been consumed with this passion for drifting. It seems ever since my young adolescence and, uh, they, they got cars and then they, they tried to convince me to get a car. And I was like, no, like I like riding my dirt bikes. I, I just always thought that cars were like way too expensive. And then I turned 18 and then I got my first S 13 with those guys. And then we just kind of like drove together. And one of those guys still is a judge for hot pit. His name is Riley Cahill. And he was like, okay, big, he, he also, uh, would his wife, now his wife worked at Adams Motorsports Park and he was an instructor down there too. So me and him both kind of helped Odie get his feet wet and showed him the ropes. And then uh, Odie just took it from there and the rest is history. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's just, it's been like one of those, like you saw it and you're like, oh, this is a thing that I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been wow. like, my dad was a big car guy. Um he like street race back in the seventies, like it's typical, like seventies dad thing. Like, I feel like if you're like yeah. in this, your dad was like a drag racer in the seventies and he had a Chevy Camaro or a Chevelle or Nova two or something like that. So, uh, he was always doing burnouts. He, you know, he always Corvette, like my first toy was like a car rattle, like cars have always just like been a part of me. And, um, when I saw drifting, it was like a burnout everywhere. And I thought yeah. that was like the most American thing ever, you know? Like I thought it was it's a good point. I mean, like visually, it is probably one of the most impressive motorsports out there, right? Like drag racing is cool, don't get me wrong, but like people love the burnout of of drag racing, and like you guys just get to do that for an entire run. Yeah, everywhere. It's just hype, and and drifting is rad because I feel like it's the only motorsport that really emphasizes personal expression and style that yeah. I don't think you really get to captivate in another, in another, in another form of, uh, four wheel motoring, I mean, maybe rally, but those guys are still like, I mean, I, I don't want to be so mundane with it and say that a lot of other guys don't have style because there definitely is, but the fluidity and, and like excitement that you can get from throwing your car sideways. And like, that's why I like that with formula D it's like, they don't tell you that you have to e-brake in or you have to do this. It's like, however you want to get the car to be set up and how you want to drive through the course while making it smooth, but they still want to have it stylish. And I think that's really important to showcase that driver to driver. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, in rally, like you definitely have that style, but I feel like what's interesting though, and, and I've talked about this before, like how drifting is kind of like the hardest part of every motorsport put into one. But like when you watch rally clips, there's two things you're watching. It's either the guys going crazy fast down a narrow run or them doing crazy corners or entries. Like that's, I mean, obviously the air stuff too, but like the style doesn't come in for those like straight line things. The style comes into the corners. Like that's the place you can show how to drive. Right. And they're not, it's not something that's like, um, they're subjected to in terms of their right. overall placement where we are like, that's something that is heavily viewed upon and scrutinized um for our overall impact yeah especially yeah. now with like x-factor points which i think is like one of those things with guys like you know you and forest and you know what would have been like jtp like that that 
to me, when that came in, I'm like, oh, this is how those guys can start to make up the difference that we are seeing with like the RTR, which I mean, Chelsea's still stylish, but like those cars are so fast and just run through the course so quickly <clears throat> that a lot of the times that style part can be lacking. Whereas cars that aren't, you know, 1200 horsepower and hooked up like crazy on giant nittos, you guys now have a spot where you can fill in the rest of those points. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, when I watch Chelsea drive and I watch James drive, Chelsea just has like such an aggressive style. And yeah. especially with the Mustang, like, and you watch the the qualifying scoring too, like the X factor is definitely um, accounted for into his scoring. And I mean, he's in a different position, right? Where it's not his car. He's paid to drive it. And his team's always going to get that car back up no matter what happens. So when you yeah. have that much confidence underneath you, like, of course, it all goes out the window. It's like, I'll, I'll rail that thing. No problem. It's like, you know, which I, I, I think that's so rad that, you know, people have that opportunity to go out there and just really show what you can do, um, having all of the support that you need to, to drive at your maximum potential. So I, with that being said, I, I definitely, the X factor thing to me, I still find at least me personally this year, I've found certain situations where I was kind of scratching my head of like why one guy wouldn't give any X factor points. Like, I don't yeah. think that the criteria is necessarily set in stone. And I think it's all individual. It, there's a lot of individual um, comprehension. to what the judge is looking for in the run of what they're going to give the, the style factor for or whatever. And it's not something that's necessarily discussed in the meeting. Which yeah. to to me being a driver, when you when you do a good run, you know it's a good run. And you know it's a bad run. Like you you know in your heart if you did good and you know that you did bad. <laughs> so like if you did a crappy run and you complain like, oh, like they they don't like me, like I don't think that's the fact. I think that those guys have like a really hard job to do because they're up there judging, you know, 30 plus of the best drivers in the world, and they have to split hairs and Obviously, they have a trained eye. They've been doing it for a long time, those guys. Um, they know what's good and what isn't. And you as a driver, being here as long as you have, you know when you did good. And you know Yeah, that's fair. Good. Yeah, I, I still I still think that like judging is the most difficult part of of drifting. Like, don't get me wrong, what you guys do is insane. Mm -hmm. And after after doing a ride along with Travis Reader in Utah, it definitely changed my perspective on like how difficult what you guys do is. Like you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not a great drifter. I'm, I'll be the first one to say that. I can get around the course. I can throw the car around, but like at the level you guys are at with the grip levels and the speed and angle that's expected of you until you sit in one of those cars, like for anybody sitting at home, you might think, you know, how difficult that car is to drive. Once you sit in the passenger seat, you still don't know, but you have at least a significantly better understanding. Like oh yeah, the way that they pick up speed at angle like just in, in spots, it doesn't seem real is, is how I, like, I was scratching my head. I'm like, I don't understand how the physics work anymore. Like, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense how, how these things move the way they do. Drift technology has just come such a far away, you know, from when I started, I, so I started back in 2006 and there wasn't even modified knuckles back then. The most <laughs> yeah, that you could do is like tame tie rods in a, in a tie rod spacer. And that was what you had, you know, like the amount of like companies like WiseFab that now you have, um, 
you know, crazy extended lower arms and different forged, you know, different uh, laser cut knuckles. And then even with the rear, like, you know, having adjustable dynamic toe settings and uh, just even the damper technology itself too. And the tire technology, you know, you got these massive tires, different compounds, big sidewalls, like they move and the cars make a lot of power. Every car out there at least is making 700 wheel which is still yeah. a lot of horsepower. If you drive a 700 horsepower car on the street that weighed 2,800 pounds, that's pretty fast, man. That's yeah. I think fast. the dynamic toe is like, I mean, when I think of like technological leaps and drifting, that's one that we don't talk about enough, but it's so huge. Like, um, seeing what WiseFab has done, or I mean, really any, any of the angle or grip companies now, like it's wild. And you can see it in the cars too. When you guys are on and off throttle, like you, you, not that you're going to be able to like visually see the car toe in and toe out. If, if you can, like that's, that's just a lot of toe you adjustment. You can see it. You can see when the car jumps back on the gas and it wants to pull yes. the car straight and he jumps down after like when you really load the car up and jump on it, yeah. you see the front end lurch. Um, yeah. And that's something that a lot of people I would feel from the outside looking in until you really start getting more technical with your car setup. Like everybody talks about, you know, with Wisefab being so awesome for the front, but their rear kit is where a lot of the magic happens in making sure that you have that set up appropriately per track and per car. That's, that's where the sauce is at. And that's what helps carry, carry yeah. the front around as well. Well, even just like things like side bite, that is so necessary and now because drive. of the speed. Yeah. Yeah. But it like, yep. I mean, it's, it's just weird to see when you guys throw into angle and then come off throttle and then you just see the car like catch into that. And then you're able to set up for the next corner. Like there's a reason why in Utah, you guys aren't just flying off track at the end when like, if you have an improperly set up car, especially to like side bite, those cars would just like go off. Most grassroots cars would probably just fly off the end of the track. You wouldn't have the side bite <clears throat> or forward bite to dig out and then keep going. Yeah, you have to correlate both, right? Because the side would yeah. catch it and then you still need to drive forward with that. So everything needs to be aligned properly for you to be able to fill out the outer zone effectively. And that's a big thing too, is like, because you you're capable to put so much grip into the car and still, but you still need to maintain um, that the car be fast, but you also don't want it to like say, um, like I was struggling a lot in Seattle with trying to have the car to not drive down the bank to mm -hmm. be able to stay up high on the wall, but then also not get left. So we're still kind of procuring our setup with the car as well. Like now that like the engine and all that stuff is well sorted. Now it's coming to the point now of just trying to always find the next 1% to try to make the car as fast as possible while making it easy to drive. Well, and that's like, um, that's where we're at. It's just 1% now. Like mm -hmm. there's not, there's not like, somebody who's come out with some sort of thing that is just miles ahead of anybody else. The difference between even 32nd up to first is maybe 10, 15%. Like that's, that's really it. And it's just those oh, incrementals. Yeah. And then it's making sure everything on the car is working properly. Drivers in a good headspace. You mm -hmm. pick the right, you know, tire pressure based on track temp. Like the it's, it's wild how tight things have gotten now. Well, I'm glad that you brought up even the tire pressure because in Utah, they sent us out to practice first thing in the morning. And I want to say it was yeah. like 60 degrees surface temp. And then by the time that I went out to compete with Ryan, uh, it was 120 degrees. So it was yeah. 
It was, it was literally double, you know? And like, I wasn't able to get any clean chase laps in practice. And then like every hour, the car, the track just keeps getting warmer. Um, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, get up out there, man, to really compete at the highest level to be prepared. It's uh it's no, it's a, it's a big feat to go out there and make the effort. I've, I've heard five and one. So for every five degrees of temperature change, there should be one PSI difference. I don't know how true that is. And I'm sure that's not universal, but like that was a rule of thumb that I've heard. Everybody has their opinions (laughs) and standpoints on it. To me, it's from a driver and from where you are to the car. And I think, you know, um, and then that's where data comes into as well. Yeah. And, you know, having the appropriate ways to capture all the data and implement that into your setup and communicate that amongst your team of where you need to have the car set up going into battle is important. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you, so, I mean, I feel like we'd be amiss without getting into it. You talked about engine setup. Mm-hmm. Um, it is no surprise to anybody that you have been basically developing this RB to do the thing that it needs to do. Mm-hmm. Um, one, the, the back and forth with you and Rad Dan might've been one of my favorite, like general moments in drifting mm-hmm. because I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you guys both just sat back and you're like, this is great. Like, I don't, I don't know if there was any actual like spite between you two, but it didn't from the outside. I was like, I don't think there really is. You guys are just letting the fans go at this, which was, which was kind of great. It was like a, an ultimate troll move in my mind. Well, it was fun because <clears throat> Dan actually called me and was like, Hey, we should do like a frenemies. Ah. How Matt and Odie had it, but we should do it with the RB and Jay Z. And I was, what was funny, how it all, I, I was like, someone had shared a meme with me and it was like something about the RB versus the Jay Z. And I thought it was very comical. So I posted it and then it just like <laughs> people started bantering. And then that's oh. when I got the call and he was like, Hey, we should do this. And I was like, okay. And, um, yeah, it just, it kind of, uh, steamrolled past that, <laughs> like snow, snowball effect past that point, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, some people are very passionate on the internet. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I know it's crazy. They're right? Very like, passionate. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact: passionate. people on the internet have opinions. <laughs> yeah, they do. There's a lot of armchair professionals out there. I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. So what? What is like? You've been an RB guy for a long time. Although mm-hmm. people who don't know your full history, you did. It was an. You did run an LS in the the Z, right? Yeah. It was a super. It was a blown LS. It was the same setup that Matt Nody run. So it was, oh, okay. uh, yeah, it was like concept performance, LSR, uh, AFR heads, Vortec YSI. It was the same on nitrous. It's the same setup yeah. that they run. And, uh, when that during 2020, that program like dissolved for a multitude of reasons. And I decided to go on my own and build something that I had known. And the 14 for me has lasted for a long time. I've had a multitude of different engine setups in there. Uh, all iron block stuff. And uh, even before that, I had R33 GTST that I had. My first car was, uh, was, a, was a 240SX hatch. I had a single cam KA that I did a KAT and it blew up. And then I put an SR in there. And then I got nice. the 33. I was driving it for somebody else. And then they wanted out of it. So I got it for a stupid good deal. And I just drove that car. And the car was super reliable for me. Uh, I love the torque band of it. I love the or torque band. I love the power band of it, the torque curve. And uh, the sound, like you just can't beat an RV mm. sound. It's it's just awesome. Yeah. So I, I actually, I was going to 
I had gotten my D1 license, and I think in 2008 or 2009, and I was going to campaign that car, but for a multitude of other reasons, I just couldn't get the car finished in time. So I took a step back from that car and I put it off to the side, and then I built an AE86 with like a blacktop 20 valve and all the proper Corolla stuff, and I drove that car for a long time, which I'm glad I did that because that helped really, that really helped me develop good car style. I feel like really driving with momentum and flair because using all of the track and because in a Corolla, you don't have any horsepower. So you just have yeah. to stay matted <laughs> and you got to use all the track to carry momentum through it. So I'm glad that I was able to um, take that style in. And then I, I got approached by a mutual friend that wanted to start a shop and I still had that car on the side. And then I had a friend that that S14 was actually an old get nuts car from one of uh, Forrest's old business partners that moved back to Hawaii. And he said that, he wasn't going to bring the car with him. And he was like, Hey, can you find a buyer for me? Or if you want to buy it. So he offered me like a really good deal. And that was a KAT too. And then my buddy that I'd started the shop with was like, well, uh, we should just like put an RV in there. Like this, like from the, th I was like, well, I have the 33 and I have like, like built motor and turbo setup and all that. So I literally unbolted the front subframe and wheeled it over to the 14, bolted <laughs> it in and, there it is. So some of that, some of the parts still live in the 14 from the 33, which is like 15 years. That's pretty 16 cool. 16 years. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's neat. I like, I like hearing that like that history is in there too. I'm like, I'm a big nostalgia guy. So like halving, I feel like anybody like in their thirties now is like a nostalgia. Like that's just something you yeah. inherit at 30 for yeah. some reason. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Like that's, that's really neat. I know when Rome and I were talking, he had, he had mentioned that that R33 of yours ended up like going back to to Garrett's shop or not Garrett um, to Forest shop and like working through Get Nuts and then one of his buddies bought it or something. There's like a weird connection there too. I I can't remember all of it, and but they put a two J in it, and then they put a two J in. Put a two J in it. Pour it out. <laughs> they, they ruined pour my it baby. Out. Pour it out for look the what, homies, dude. Pour one out. Look what they did pour it to out my for baby. the homies. Look at Oh, yeah, yeah, it all yeah. it's all. So yeah, I mean, there was never really any real animosity. It was all for fun, and you know what's yeah. funny? I don't think I've actually battled a two J car in battle ever, huh? Since I've had that car uh, out there on grid, never. No, I was gonna say I know you've I know in the other car you did um, yeah. because that actually brings me to what I would claim to be one of the greatest battles ever, which is you and Riley Sexsmith in Atlanta. I. It, honestly, like, like even going back and watching it, I think you guys hit each other four times in one run and just kept going. Like, yeah, it was, it was wild. Like I dude, I still get goosebumps. Like it's, <laughs> it's still, cause I was there. I mean, I was filming the whole thing and I'm like sitting there watch and like on initiation, you guys hit and then in transition you hit and then coming up the hill you hit and then you hit again in the keyhole. And it was just like, but neither of you let off. Like it was just one of those, like, nah, we're here to party, yeah. which is like, that's that to me is like the epitome of of drifting where it's like no like i'm not i'm not gonna flop i'm not gonna do whatever no. i'm just gonna keep driving i don't care how many times you hit me it's so great the clutch kept slipping in that car that night and i was <laughs> trying to go as fast as i could and riley's car was super fast because you yeah. guys had that thing set up really well riley's a great driver and uh yeah he just kept running into me and i was like i'm doing everything I, i'm giving it all all she's got <laughs> The tires like literally pushing. caught on fire. Like, yeah, it was yeah. like, I'm giving her all she's got. I hit 88. I'm about to go back to the fifties. Like I'm going <laughs> as fast as I can, you know? But, uh, yeah, I think you, you blew like but a torque damper that, 
That, that was, was a VA, VA car. car. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That wasn't, yeah, yeah. wasn't in the RB. Ever I think since I've been it. in that, I've never, it's never happened. <sighs> it needs to happen now in early. I know. Like it it's has always to, a VA or BMW or something. Right. Yeah, because I think always, he battled Essa in that car, which would have been a BMW. And then I battled Matt. Then I, yeah. or I battled with uh, Toyota, with the Toyota guys, with Ryan and, uh, and yeah. Jonathan. The ARs. Are two ARs, yeah, but never, it's never huh. been, never been a Jay-Z. It hasn't happened yet. Interesting. Right? Isn't that funny? It's yeah. weird. That is funny. It needs, it needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what is like, I guess like, I don't know how much like you can talk about it, but like with the development of that RB, you've been through a few of them now. I don't know what the total number is. I mean, I would kind of love to know like how many since day one, but that's a big ask. Um, but um, in that, your I mean, your goal is to make a reliable drifting 1,000 horsepower. Here's your formula. If you want to do it, this is the path you go down. And we've done it. I've, the car, it's been the same engine in the car all year. Uh, we had a machine yeah. defect with the block that was sent to us uh, that was actually from another motor from last year that that motor let go on us right when we had gotten it. But when we when we got into it further this year, uh, we finally found the issue that was causing mm. that that particular block to fail. Uh, we remedied that, and it's been the same engine all all year. And we're Motec calculators at like a thousand forty four. So Jeez. it's been it's been an entire year of us really beating the crap out of it. And I did a leak down and compression test right after Utah and it's like five percent across the board on leak down and then one forty five on compression. It's a big cam in there. So Yeah. Yeah. It's Jeez. As long as everything's even, that shows good health. Um Yeah, yeah. I mean, if like you're down a little bit, but it's across the board, then it's it's yep. the where you're looking for, right? Yep. Yep. So we've gotten that situated now and that's just came into it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's not really fair when people look at it from my perspective too, because I'm using an aftermarket block with different metallurgy than factory. Uh, yeah. the expansion rate on a billet aluminum block is much different than an iron block. Um, and like I had mentioned, it's aftermarket. So, uh, the scrutiny of, all the machining processes. And it's like that when you get an aftermarket LS block, like the concept performance blocks too. Um, yeah. Not trying to throw them under the bus, but it's, it's one of those where you have to be very thorough when you go through the block with your machinist that they have to go through every single nook and cranny uh, to ensure that everything is right, you know? So uh, no, that's fair. Yeah. So not every single block that you're going to get is going to be the same as the last one. Yeah. Well, it's a different, we're not talking about like a mass manufactured cast system that's been, no. you know, developed over a long period of time. We're talking about taking a big chunk of metal and making it a smaller chunk of metal with incredible tolerances. Oh, yeah, it's a huge undertaking, mm. like the bullet race engineering blocks. And I'm not talking bad on them. I'm just saying that it's kind of the nature of the beast when they do have an assembly line and they're pumping these things out. That's a massive undertaking to take a huge piece of billet aluminum that is probably the, as big as this table that I'm on right now and to machine yeah. that on a five axis into an engine block. Like that's a massive undertaking. Um, and it's great. I mean, it saves about a hundred pounds off the front end, uh, being billet aluminum, it expels heat, um, insanely yeah. fast. Like I, and being a four bolt main makes it a lot, tr makes it a lot stronger. Um, there's, there's a, there's a ton of benefits. 
to running the aluminum block that I'm glad that we've stuck with it and we've found our formula that works. Uh, the biggest thing for us though is me and one other driver are the only two drivers in the world that are at the top level of professional drifting using a billet RV block and putting it through the torture test that we put it through. Uh, most of them are in drag cars. They are in some street cars, but I would even argue with streetcar driving, like you're not, not, you're not pushing it to the limit that we are with the grip levels that we're putting in at the power levels that we're, that we're running it through. So yeah. there's a lot of, and he, that other driver too, he's had his issues with it too. And, but now he, his car seems to be working very well. I don't know if he's still on the billet block or not. I assume that he would be, um, if he found out that what we found out, but, uh, <laughs> either, either way, uh, we've just found that just having our, our tolerances tighter just to deal with the <clears> thermal <throat> expansion, um, has helped keep the engine alive and, uh, just running the, uh, the engines at a little bit colder temperature than we would normally on an iron block. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. That, that makes, that does make sense. I mean, obviously the other part too is like, the LS billet series, if you will, has probably had significantly more time to develop. Um, it's had more iterations. Like this is the thing, like this is still all things considered pretty early days when you compare that to like an LS base or, you know, even getting into some of the Ford, Ford engines. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's not, it, it hasn't had the U S adoption, which I think is the interesting part. Like, so when we, like the Jay Z's came over earlier, right? If, it, if someone's going to like them in really harp on me, exactly. Yeah, they, put, they, right? put on, so, they put them in everything. They're, they have NA which, variants for Lexus, and obviously with the Mark IV Supra being sold here, but there's right. nothing that came over here with an RB. Okay, not so, one thing. And this is what I'm getting at: is like yeah. it hasn't had the 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 United States level of of money dumped into it because there is no mm-hmm. country in the world that has the economic drive and means to develop engines like the United States does. Australia does incredible work. A bunch of stuff in Europe does incredible work. Obviously stuff in Japan does, but none of those economies match the, just the automotive economy in the United States. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. Like you guys were, you know, 15, 20 years behind the 2J and 30 years behind the LS. Like, I think that's something that people forget about when we talk about the RB is like, it just hasn't had the same amount of time or availability that these other engines have. So the chances of it having the same level of development is you, it can't, it just, it doesn't make it, it can't. No. And, and a lot of this, and again, it's like to have something you, you hear, you'll talk to a multitude of different people from all over the world and everyone's got the secret sauce (laughs) <laughs> and then you develop, then you take their secret sauce and the sauce doesn't work for you. Yeah. And it fails. And then a lot of these prominent companies that put themselves out there that they're prominent, their QC is absolutely trash. And the parts yeah. have been uh, not up to par as what they would market themselves to. So I would say that it's all of that has just come at a very, um, it's came in a, it's came at a price. You know, but at least now you only know what you know, and now you know what you know. Yeah. And we know what works and what doesn't. And even moving into next year, it'll be even better than what we have now. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to, we're not, I'm, I'm, I'm finally at a point where I don't need to reinvent the wheel anymore. The car is very efficient. 
cools down really well. Weight balance is really good. Power is good. Could be a little bit more for these last three tracks. Um, mm. I could get a little bit more. I would be happy, but being a driver, I'm always going to want a little bit more. So, um, being a car guy, you always want a little bit more. I mean, a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Just That's it. Just, it's just like it's like one more. more drink, right? One more drink is never one more drink. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah. never say that. You never say one more time. I know. You never say one more drink. I know. I've partied with you before. I've you you warned me. You're like, don't say one more because it's not never, one more. <laughs> never say one more, man. Never say one more. But uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man. No, I'm I'm really happy with it. And and uh, we did some really trick stuff this year where it, it's just so responsive. Even without nitrous, we're getting full boost at 3,500 RPM, and we revved to 9,500 wow. RPM. So it's extremely responsive. It's uh, very easy to drive. Sounds amazing. I, I couldn't be happier with it. I'm really glad that we stuck with it. Um, since I know there's going to be a lot of your fan base listening to this, can we like do a quick rundown of what's in that engine? Because like I am not somebody who is knowledgeable with RBs at all. Okay. I even even I posted that one photo of like an RB on a, a crane, and you had to like correct me as to what it was because like I don't know. It's not my it's not my my cup of tea, if you will. So it's a uh, it's a billet short block. It's a billet short deck rb26 block it's got a okay. cali's 79 millimeter comp star crankshaft it's got uh forge rods it's got male nine and a half to one compression pistons it's got foray long stem valves with uh wpc coated um buckets uh Freya Valve springs, titanium retainers. It's got Tomei cams. Uh, what else does it have? Uh, it's got aftermarket trigger kit, dry sump pan. It's got a Borg Warner 92 EFR internal wastegate. And it's got a, I think it's a Honda Type R electronic actuated. Um, uh, it's an electronic actuator that controls the internal wastegate for the, for the oh, turbo. Okay. So I don't have gotcha. that in itself eliminated 16 failure points on the hot side. It's got, so I don't have wastegates. So I don't have to deal with that. You just have one actuator on the top that opens and closes the valve inside the, the turbine housing. Just on the back housing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. And then I run a future fab custom turbo manifold. Uh, it's got a plasma man intake manifold, 2200 CC injectors, it's got a vibrant <laughs> intercooler, like custom that um, my buddy Joe at Collab Garage custom made all the end tanks and did all the piping. So the piping is super short. Uh, the front end is all, everything is on quick disconnects. And uh, like the whole front end just pops off of four pins. I don't know if you've ever seen that. The whole front end can just pop off on the car. I, I don't think I've seen it on, on your car. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, that's pretty. I mean, it's got Fuel Lab brushless pumps, um, hmm. Collab, just custom downpipe exhaust. Yeah. What what's that what's that been like moving kind of like moving in with Collab because like they're this is is this their first venture in drifting yeah first venture in drifting I've known Joe so Collab he used to be the general manager at Forge Performance which they make um, they they were big in the uh, like R thirty five DC they're DCT World Champions so they make crazy three thousand horsepower R thirty five tube chassis drag cars that are still all wheel drive. Uh, they're not like pro mods or anything like that, but yeah, they, and they do R8s, Lamborghinis. So they do a lot of high end stuff, Yeah, but, um, I've known Joe cause another one of his 
employees was on my team. And then that's how I was working out of Forge during 2021 when I was, when we were finishing up the S15 and we got to talking then, and then he ventured off and started his own thing. And he had always been interested with drifting and he wanted to bring his knowledge onto my program and uh, took me into his doors. And he's been nothing but a blessing to me and really helped bring uh, another outside perspective into my program to, and he's helped huge with the engine development side alongside with uh, Mike at Ferrara at D sport. He's my machinist and engine builder. And uh, also Dustin Griggs, main X electric, those three guys right there. And Joel, um, that's also buddies with Dustin. Uh, though I would say those four guys right there have really, uh, turn, turn the page, so to speak with the RV stuff. Yeah. That's it. It was interesting when it first got announced because, like, I you know did digging and I'm like, okay, who are these guys? And then I saw the drag racing. I saw what they were able to do with the R35s, and I'm like, okay, this is actually really interesting because mm-hmm. we've seen this happen before. Like Papadakis, obviously moving into drifting, and it's like there is a lot of of things that you can take from that level of drag racing and move into drifting because it is similar in a lot of ways on things like drivetrain stress. And I'm like. This, and and like in my head, I'm like, this could be the ticket. Like this could be what's missing from your program. So like, it's been cool to see the development and see the progression that's in it and like understand that it's only going to get better. Like Mm -hmm. it's, you know, whatever you figured out now is just the beginning of what it's going to look like. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, just having a group of people that come from a, a wide spectrum of motorsports, like even Dustin comes from IMSA. Uh, he was on a team yeah. that you might be familiar with named Faf. Yeah. Yeah. I know Faf quite well. Yeah. yeah. So he was one of their yeah. engineers on that team and he's on oh, my neat. team okay. and he helps me with all the electronic side of things. Like all of, uh, yeah, all the data acquisition comes from, comes from that and all the wiring. Interesting. And I'm going to I, I'm gonna have to chat like with that. them. Cause like, I bet you we know a lot of the same people. Just, I mean, Faf being based out of Toronto. So, yeah. Actually, yeah. I think I know, I think I still know a couple of people that work there. Um, yeah. One on their Porsche team, actually. So, yeah, yeah that's huh, where he, that's too funny. He was on their, he was on their, he was on their, their Porsche IMSA team. Huh. The one okay. Yeah. Like we might actually know, know some, Probably. yeah, we might actually know some of the same people. That's funny. Probably. And then another, yeah, another funny. one of the members on the team came from Polaris on the side by side stuff. So, like off road background. So, there's like, you know, four different disciplines here coming together for one purpose, which is pretty dope. Hmm. You have a lot of outside perspectives to, to lean on for, to really like understand like, you know, good weight balance in a car, efficiency, serviceability, all of that has to come into play when you're running professional racing, especially in drifting when you have such limited amount of time uh, to practice, to set up, to repair and to compete. Yeah, I think the serviceability part is something that like a lot of guys building their cars forget about. Like especially the guys coming up and it's like that needs to be almost the main focus over yeah. um, like you know when you're looking at packaging it's like how quickly could I service this manifold or get this turbo off or get the intercooler off or something like that. Like in an event of an accident, can I swap these parts out in 5 minutes? I mean, take a look at Steph and RTR. I mean, they're not they rarely are they going to be changing turbos and intake manifolds and all they're just they have another complete engine that's already dressed and set up it's better just to pull the yep. whole engine put a new one in there you're good to go yeah the whole rear subframe they'll like display and it's like 
they they can swap a whole subframe. I think I don't know if they've done it in five, but I know they've prepared to do it in five. Well, there's no there's no uh, there's nothing quick about changing a quick change rear end out of a subframe. It's it's quicker <laughs> no, to change no. the whole subframe with the diff <laughs> in there and the axle. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. The gear, the gear change is quick, but take, taking the the pumpkin out, of, you know, out of the cradle yeah. in there, all the all the top bolts to come out and everything yeah, else. Not, yeah, it's not quick. Yeah, it's not an easy one. Yeah, no, it's not. So, um, moving off of drifting, I have a I have a very difficult but serious question for you. Oh um, if you are on a desert island and you can only have one record collection, is it going to be Bowie or is it going to be Morrissey? <sighs> I'll go with Bowie. Yeah. Wow. I'll, I'll go with Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's bold. Okay. I just I was curious. I know you're obviously we're, we're seeing Ziggy up in the in the corner there, and yeah. then uh, Jimmy off to the off to the side. But and then that's I, the I'd dude. heard to. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I you, have you always been a, a music file? Like, is that? Oh yeah. Is that been like since day one? Because like yeah. scrolling back to your Instagram, there is a lot of good music selections in there of like different records that you've bought or different bands that you've been into from different times. Mm-hmm. I know you're a big fan of the Doors as well. So like mm-hmm. it's a pretty it's a pretty eclectic taste. I just I'm uh, I'm genre fluid with my music. That is fair. I like I like uh, that genre fluid. Is there is there like a classic band or artist that you think? people have like slept on over the years. I think Morrissey's like a good pick for that, but like outside of outside of Morrissey, just because like oh, that's man, an easy one for you. So many. I mean, how much time do you have? I mean, yeah, we got time. We just started, man. <laughs> we're only like 40 minutes in. Have? Uh I don't know, man. Like, I mean, you guys I can, like I, can Ter- give I was you, listening to I, Terry Reed today and I thought like Terry Reed's like super slept on. Like Terry Reed, yeah. for people that don't know, Terry Reed was going to be the original singer of Led Zeppelin, but due to contractual obligations, he couldn't join Jimmy Page on his adventure. So he was actually friends with Robert Plant and plugged Robert Plant with crazy Led Zeppelin, which uh, yeah, Terry Reed's great. If you've seen movies like Devil's Rejects, like he's a lot of his tracks yeah. are in there and movies like Wonderland, Val Kilmer's stuff's in there too. Like, yeah, I would say, yeah, like big movie music buff i just especially when driving cross country and i would say mm, like you're just, it's not anything song. new right like people have definitely done it and with uh with peter he, he had put another vdc competitor named reese behind the wheel of his car and reese did really well too he was the champion that year for yeah. uh the the dm virtual series and he had that experience. I mean, it's definitely a, a good tool to use. It's not just a video game. Like even guys like Max Verstappen are like very passionate yeah. about their their sim training at home. And I, I thought his interview was super funny. He was like, yeah, Formula One. He was like, uh, I'll look back on that. And that's something I did. But my, my sim driving, that's what I love. Oh, yeah. You know, he takes so it funny. so seriously. So too. serious. Yeah. yeah. And and that dude's on there constantly. What's What's so funny too is like, you know, you watch some of the clips or even like the videos and he's driving with these other guys who are like just straight sim guys yep. and they're like shitting on him Oh yeah, for, for like his driving and like, come on, Max, you need to fix this. And it's like, dude, you're talking about like one of the greats, like, <laughs> like, but, dude, or not, like but do you, these guys have arguably a little bit more experience if they're driving yeah. that much every single day. And yeah. you know, these guys, I, you got to appreciate them too, because for them to be able 100%. to, to be on that level 
to be able to find, and that's just you being open, open-minded to perfecting your craft, you know, yes. to finding outside yeah. perspectives and taking in, um, constructive criticism. It's helped me out a lot this year. And I would say like my tandem's better, my mental preparation's better, my qualifying's have been better. Um, everything has been better because I've dedicated so much time at home, um, behind my, my sim rig has been awesome. Taking the criticism is like such a, a key point, like separating yourself from your ego and like understanding that like even the greats don't stop learning. And that's what makes them great. Like the best drivers, the best drummers, the best, like Neil Peart from Rush, like took drum lessons all the way through his career. Like he never, you know, never said, no, that's enough. James Dean never stops driving. No. Like there's a reason why they're so good. There's no ceiling. Stop. There's no ceiling. The, no. the moment that you think that you know it all is the day that you have capped your ability. You always want to yeah. take something in. You always want to learn something new. Like I always forever want to be a student and I always want to be perfecting my craft. Yeah. Speaking of uh, burnout box progression, that is something I have noticed you've gotten better at. You're, you're, over the years, the way that you bring in tires and like your craft in the box has gotten better. Yeah. I slipped up in Utah though. I got a little overzealous. Did you? <laughs> I got did. a little crazy. I got oh, a little crazy. Oh. I, old Ryan came back dude. out in the burnout box for that, dude. <laughs> put, put, put a little too much lacquer on it. You want a little, a little, a little too hard? much to be honest. I mean, that's, that's the funny thing about it is I feel like that box is there to more get the driver comfortable than it is the, the tires needing to be warmed up as, as mm. effectively um yeah it's, so it's what more, do you, of a, more of a mental cue than it is an actual vehicle preparation what, do you, what are you doing now like what is your what's your process like do you have a you it, you have a, a kind of a set pattern it seems now like what are you what are you going through in your, I guess in your head mostly honestly when I get in there man I want to make sure that the brakes are working the clutch is working uh I can feel the front tires take off the the slick film off of the, um, when it gets out of the mold, as soon as that's gone, like I go in there, I'll turn the front wheel a couple times, the fronts are sticking, I'll do a burnout and I go out and I line up and I'll do anything more. I don't sit there and overheat the car. I don't overcook the tires. Uh, besides Utah, I did that. And uh, cause I just needed to feel like I felt <laughs> too tight, I felt too tense. So if I felt like I was, uh, I needed to be, needed to be better in that instance. But Primarily, what I'll do is, um, yeah, I just go in there, just make sure the car is there, and then I line up and I'm ready to go. There's no sense to heat soak <laughs> the car and, um, yeah. Pre, pre, is that just like an eight? Huh? I was, I was gonna say, is that like an age thing? Like you just as you you realize, like I don't need to be like cooking these things off. Like I just need to. Make sure it's good. Make sure it hooks. Make sure everything works. Now we go. It's just working with like my with, with better members on my team that have you know now that we have enough data, we have so much data in the car now, and I have such a better understanding of like how all of the equipment works, all the way down from you know how how, how your how your engines reacting, your transmission, your tires, your shocks, everything is like this doesn't need to work like this. Like you just need to go in there and mm. do this. And I'm just like, okay, it makes sense. And I've felt that improvement from that that from that information being relayed into me and going out there and seeing and feeling it. It's like, okay, it gives me more confidence knowing more about the car that I feel like a lot of people overdo that. There's so much over, so much time that, over, that is wasted time spent in the burnout box that really should take 
10, 15 seconds. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. In the data. No, to that's fair. It, I mean, like the data to back pardon? it, like it, your tires don't do anything better than if you did this for 15 seconds or if you did it for five seconds and line back up. Is it, so you're, um, is it like with a tire temp monitor where you're like, okay, it's going to get to that temp right away and then we're good anyway. It's like once we hit that temp, yep. we're, we're fine. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Tire temp sensors. You're going like, to hit that into the first corner. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, that's like, that's one of those pieces of technology too. Like once again, we just don't, we don't talk about it. Like I, I, it bugs me so much how open drifting is, but still kind of how like guarded it is in a lot of ways. We're like, if you ask a driver about it, it's fine. They'll talk about it. They'll bring up this information, but I don't think there's enough quote unquote, like lessons available for the guys coming up. Like that's why my, my biggest thing, anybody coming up is like, go work on a pro team. If you can't even go work on a pro two team, just so you get an understanding of what this weekend looks like. They like, you have to get up at this time to go to this meeting. Like all these little things. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I wish there was like a, a dummy's guide to formula drift almost. I mean, it's, uh, it's a very intricate sport. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot there's a of moving lot. pieces. Yeah. There's a lot of moving pieces. And that's why I feel like the grass is always greener. I feel like it seems like with a lot of the comments that a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, want to compare this and that, but yeah, you only know what you know. Yeah. Which I just want to like, I guess, make sure that anybody coming up is like as well equipped as possible. Like it, it, it's tough. There's, there's a lot of burnout in the sport. There's a lot of guys that come into pro two that, you know, you see at the first round and then you never see them again. And there's guys who even come into pro that like you see them for a couple of rounds, something happens, you don't see them again. And like, whether that's their fault or like, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into specifics because I understand a lot of the nuances of why some of these situations happen, but I feel like at least in pro two or even in, in, or pro spec, sorry, I keep saying pro two, that shows my age. You're old. Um, Pro, and especially in pro-am, right. it's just a lack of understanding, especially business and financial. Like that's, that's the one that like really gets them. It's, it's a massive commitment. And yeah. every year the technology in, continues to um, expand. Uh, things, you know, the sport's getting faster. Uh, costs are going up. Uh, there's... And, and the skill level is just, it continues to increase every single year. Guys keep getting better. I mean, if you watch Prospect now, you see these guys coming up. They're, they're serious, you know, and they're very talented guys. Um, yeah. It's not for the faint of heart, man. And that's why it's, it's, profession, it's a professional motorsport. Like, it's a profession. It's not a hobby. It's not expert hobbyist D. It's professional. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's for... <laughs> Like, it's not expert hobbyist hobbyist D. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. it's a professional motorsport and this is a business. And people are out here running a business and understanding how to run your business effectively and and making sure that you have what you need to be competitive is um is and still keep your lights on at home is a is a task. And it takes time yeah. to procure your formulas, to get the right team members underneath you, to get your right partners. There's there's a lot that goes into it and you got to have a lot of grit and determination to stay in it long enough to, to build your network effectively to, to be out there to do it. I, so with, I guess like my position in the industry, like I, 
know a lot of the people that are within the businesses, and I know people that have worked with you over the years. And um, one of the biggest things that that I've heard specifically about you and your program is like your commitment to delivery, where you're like, no, no matter what's going on, no matter the troubles you're going through, you're like, if these are my deliverables, I'm going to hit those deliverables and I'm going to ask you for more and I'm going to make sure it happens. Yep. And I, I would say that is how you have run such a successful program, even given some of the issues that you've run into, especially, you know, in the last year or two, like that alone, that I'm going to make sure I fulfill my end of the bargain, no matter what else is going on, is something that every driver, anybody who's doing anything in life in general should just take up where it's like, no excuses. You said you were going to do something. You're going to do that thing. And if you don't, don't ever expect to work or get anything out of that person again. Yeah. And I've been on both sides of that, right? Like, you know, I've had yeah. amazing partners that have stood with me and I've also had partners that, you know, have, have, that haven't seen it that way. And that's just yeah. the nature of the business. And, uh, it's a cold, cruel world, but you know, the bright people that are meant to be with you are going to be with you. And the ones that aren't are going to not be there for a reason. Um, I work extremely hard and extremely uh, diligent of putting out the best effort that I can given the circumstances and situations that um, can arise. Like even in 2020, when everybody stayed home and, you know, with however you want to view that, but I had to work and I wanted to make sure that I needed to be able to go out there and deliver for my contracts and keep everybody else happy. And this is my job. This is how I make a living for myself. And, um, if there's a, if there's a will, there's a way and I'm going to find that way. And yeah, just, there's no quit in the dog. That's good. No, it's true. I mean, that kind of like the no quit in the dog kind of like goes back to old phrases too, of like too animal to die, too wild to live. Yep. Like that's, Yeah. It's, I, I think it's fair. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy with all the people that have stood by me through this and this endeavor. And it's been awesome to see the program turn around and us like really start to be a force to be reckoned with. You know, we've had two top five qualifying finishes this year or qualifiers this year. Um, every event we, we continue to learn and we continue to improve and, um, yeah, I'm just excited for next year, man, of really with all the information that we learned this year to really putting everything into that package, moving on to next. I'm I'm stoked. Next year will be a different year altogether. Yeah, I'm pumped, man. I'm I'm obviously I'm I'm stoked. It's been cool too. Like I I've I've said this to a couple of guys, like I said to Rome as well. Like what's been interesting is just being, I guess, like adjacent to your career around the same time and like seeing the progression has been has been sick. Um on a on a complete aside, if you couldn't drift, what would your wrestling name be? Wrestling name? Yes. I've oh, no. I have been told that you would you you would consider yourself the Ric Flair of drifting. So I assumed <laughs> you would just go right into right into wrestling. You caught me off guard with that. I don't know. I don't know. Now you had, I, I, I think, know. I mean, Ryan literal does sound like a wrestling name right off the bat. So it kind of works. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting bashful because I don't have an answer. I don't, I can't answer. That's all for good. You. I'm looking I at think, this dog food right here about taste of the wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, man. It's good. I like getting you guys. I like getting you guys off. off that was like, good. like knocking you off a bit. You uppercut um, me with that. 
That was good. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. That yeah. was that was courteous courtesy of, of our of our good friend Greg. So was um, it? <laughs> yes. Bless his heart. I love that guy. He's Mr. Smiles, man. Yeah. Um no, I, I think you've you've always tried to bring a lot of personality into drifting. Like we talked about style earlier, like between liveries interiors, because that dash is insane. If if like the roof, the whole like every livery you've always had has been very loud um, and just ridiculous, but like in a very cohesive way, which is hard to to do. Even like your voodoo liveries, I really like those. Like, I feel like there was like two pounds of fleck in those liveries. Like, it was crazy. Six pounds. Yeah, was six, it six? six pounds, I remember. Yeah. I remember you talking about like the weight of it. I just couldn't remember how much, but and like. It's all almost always been paint too, which is crazy. Other than the 15 has been wrapped because in Formula D, like they're just more prone to contact. Yeah. And I don't want, you know, my painter, um, I don't want to work him that hard. And he's not the cheapest either. So just you know, to keep that aside. For the 14, like, it, for the 14, it works, you know, because like you're going out doing different fun stuff with it. And it's not so critical for me just to uh, be so brazen with the, with the chassis for car on yeah. car contact and car on wall and all that. Not saying that I'm not afraid to like do it. It's just not as uh it's not such a <laughs> financially responsible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fisc fiscally responsible. That's the fiscally, word. There you <laughs> fiscally go. responsible. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, man, I I I, I kind of just it it always to me it's like you're paying homage to the OGs of the sport, you know, like where it came from Japan and the cars were street cars. I like, think about it like in 2004, a 2001 S15 was three years old. So these were yeah. new cars at the time that they were promoting. And like, these were cars that to me, I always want my cars to be like, you would see that driving down the street and you'd be like, whoa, like that's dope. Like I would want to drive that on the street. Like I would, I would be stuck that's in my car and looked it. at like that driving down the street. So like, I've always kept that into my mind when I ever have put a car together be it for competition, street, whatever. Street cars usually are always black. That's kind of like my thing. Like if it's a street car, it's got a, it's got a black on chrome. That's, that's like my, that's like my thing. Um, do you, do you love some chrome Johnny's? That's for sure. Yeah. It's just timeless, especially at night. Nothing beats a black car at night. So, mm. yeah. 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 Chrome wheels. Still, are they, are the three pieces or three pieces, the three spokes, which are three pieces? These ones are as well? Uh, no, those are Forge model block. And those are the first Forge model block okay. that Heritage has ever made. I requested it and they were like, we can do it and we'll make it happen. So, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Flex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're super dope. I mean, I, I wasn't like a big three spoke guy, but like talking with Jake, I mean, I always thought they were cool and he was like, we should do it. He was like, I think it would be dope. I think it would be dope. It helps stand it out. And he was like, it's going to be big. And so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll roll with it, you know? And uh, yeah, I think they're dope. I think it's, and I think it's awesome too, because with Power Stop, like the, like the slits and the three spokes, like perfectly have the rotor yeah. shown or the caliper shown. And it's like, it's dope. Because then you have like the Power Stop with the hair. I, I just think like the branding, like the ability to brand with that is just dope. I think it's rad. It's like a commercial on itself, like a big e-brake pull comes into focus and you just see power stop. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 It's dope. It's dope. It's dope. And uh, just like, even when they're spinning, you know, it's like they have like this weird effect and they're spinning in slow motion. Like it's, I don't know. They're just, I think three spokes are dope. I'm a huge I, avid you, fan now. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge three spoke <laughs> average fan now. Yeah. 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 
They're, I mean, they're coming back. I've seen a couple brands start to release them. I think it was uh, Art is a, the Trellos or something like that. Like, that's another. I, anyways, like, it's just like, I remember seeing those and I'm like, who's making new three, like three spoke style wheels in like 2022 at the time? And I'm like, what that? And then you came out with these. I'm like, okay, there's something here. Yeah. I'm like, we might be on a resurgence of three spokes. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's so many ways to skin a cat. I think just like with anything, right? It's like always these styles tend to like pop up every, every cycle, it seems. Yeah. It just rotates. Like what's, what's old is new again, right? right. You know, like VSKFs, yeah. kind of like Kragers, right? Yeah. The daisies. Or like, or the crazy, I mean, the, the Blitz like the blitz expo- explosion and like the yeah. the cost of those and like someone will you know they'll they'll die off for a bit and then like 10 years from now someone will make a a similar design and then they'll they'll blow up again and we'll be back at it. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I I've, I've just always wanted cars that were just they just emulated what how we fell in love with the sport. And that came in I remember at D1 watching Suzuka with like the BR R32 and that had like the crazy BR rev limiter and he was like 26 and like came around the bank and it was when they used to run it reverse. So they would run the yeah. other bank and they would have the stands right there. And I remember it backfired and just hit me in the chest. And I was like, man, that's so sick. Like <laughs> I just wanted that, you know? So like, I don't know. I, I just, that's how I feel like, uh, those cars are like love letters to the sport. It's like, this is where that's the a, roots were, you know? And that's how it yeah. should be. It's funny how those like impressions early on just stick with you. Like, you know, you know, even running an, an 8.6 after, you know, playing the initial D game, seeing that event and then wanting to mimic that style. Like it's crazy. You don't realize it until you look back, like how much those impressions stick with you. And you're like, no, this is, this is how I got into the sport. And I, I kind of hope that somebody seeing, you know, in your case, like your, your S chassis inspires some other kid that's in the stands. And like, that's how we, we continue on the legacy of that style or that influence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And doing it like how you want to do it in a stylish manner, like not just because someone says like, Oh, you have to run this because it's cool. Like, no, like it is cool. Mm. Like, you know? yeah. Well, and like, right? I feel like that's very much your ethos where you're like, this is what I think is cool. I don't care what you think or anybody else thinks is cool. I'm just going to keep doing it because yeah. I like it. Right. hundred percent. That's how it should be. Yeah. It a hundred percent. The problem is that like not everybody can do that. Like it's tough. Well, it's can. tough. Like it's, yeah, I, I agree. You, yes. You they can. can. Like it's, physically you, want you can. To is, is a different thing. I, I think just too many people care about what other people think. That's, like that's, that's what it is. Right. They're, everyone gets so obsessed. It's unfortunate. Super unfortunate. Yeah. But like, that's the cool part about drifting. Like if everybody, if you know, if, if Kyle Mohan cared what everybody think, he wouldn't be running a, a rotary anymore, but he loves it in the same way that like, if you cared what everybody think, you would have swapped to a Jay-Z years ago, right? Something. I will. I'm not going to, I'm not going to publicly say that. I'm not going to publicly say that. I'm going to get that out of me. No, no. Almost, I'm dying on almost. that hill. I'm dying on that hill. Nah, nah, nah. I just led you into that trap. This no, man fought back. no, no, no. <laughs> No, no, uh, no, almost Adam, no, almost, almost, Adam. almost, almost. Uh, it's all good. No, to- totally, no, it's, man. It's, it's just your. It's you, you got to yeah. have your own style, and you, you got to, um, you know, you got one life. If you think it's cool, then just yeah. roll with it, dog. You know, that's it. Yeah. No, I think it's. I think it's good. I mean, 
Yeah. Like, why not? Right. Like, what do you, you have to lose the, the only opinions you're, you know, if, if somebody has got that opinion, that's not somebody you want to have an opinion on you anyways. Like just stick with the people that appreciate why you do something and that's yeah, it. 100%. Anybody else? Like, why does it matter? It doesn't. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so going back into like a bit of history, how much, how much would you say running both pro and pro spec in the same season helped? Would you, would, is Massively. that, a, was that a positive move? Massively. Yeah. Yeah. Especially during that time, like it was a brand new car and we had enough budget to do X. Right. And then right. I was licensed to do both and running both back to back, right. Was in theory, the same as running eight events. If you right, think about less it, travel. it's the same, less yeah. travel, but actual runtime on the car, the amount of, of abuse that it would see in theory would have been eight events. And we broke a ton of stuff that year. And that's why in 2019, it was one of the greater years of my career. And the car ran, it had one engine like that. It comes into play too. Like those were very expensive V8s that were lost in 2018. Like very expensive, yeah. way more expensive than my RVs are. And they completely were disintegrated. I want to say we disintegrated two of them. Yeah. And but I, I do know I got a, a video of one of the dampers coming off. It's like, really, I remember I remember that distinctively. You know what's so funny is that I forgot that you did video and then I was actually because you know I have like you have like I have like an athlete's page on Facebook and then like my regular Facebook, and then there'll be messages yeah. that get sent to that, but it doesn't give me like alerts. So it was funny. I was going through that, I was scrolling and I saw that you had sent me like a sequence <laughs> shot of the damper being shot underneath the car in St. Louis. Yeah. Which, oh man, that was such a heartbreaker. But it was so tough. All of that being <laughs> said, you know, it took all of those failures to find out what actually works. And I think that's what people don't understand is that like, don't be discouraged just because something isn't working out right now. Like you're going to have to find out what works for you. And what works out for your your whole purpose and what you're doing it for. Like, yeah, in 2019, like those were external engine builders and then everything got brought into how in brought in-house and that those engines were yeah. built in-house and it was one engine that lasted all season. And there was a ton you, that we learned off of that. You made top eight too in that first pro round, if I'm not mistaken. Like mm. Was it that year? Texas. Or was it no, that? No, it was, it was Texas. Texas. Yeah. So it was the first, though. That was the third that I forgot. I forgot. I, I would have to go back. Did they do pro? Uh, I want to say 20, that, that was the last one. 2018 was the last year because they did Atlanta. I don't Yeah, might have been. That, that stands was, out. Yeah. yeah, that stands out. And then 2019, we did a full, we did a full poll with the Z for, for pro one. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I wish, I don't know if they still have that rule in effect. Cause it was like, if you were like bottom eight or something in pro, or if you were top, whatever in pro two at the time, you could run both. I think it was like you and Van Kirk were like the only ones to do it. So I had gotten my, I had, I had my pro card initially the first year that they did pro two. And that's the first year that I jumped yeah. in, which I think was 13 or 14 and whatever the first year of that was. And I didn't have the funds to do pro one, so I just did Pro 2 with the 14. And then 2016, I got my license. Again, I got my Pro card again. And then uh, <laughs> GT had pulled out of the season. And then I didn't have time right. support moving in. So there was no way that I could have done a full season 
on the amount of budget that I had at my disposal. So I decided to take a year off and just do events like Grid Life. And I did stuff with Hoonigan and um, a bunch of other small events and had the car featured in SEMA. And uh, it was just a banger year for me. And it led up to me like getting in position with Coverworks and driving for them for 2018 and moving forward. Um, yeah, that was a, it was actually at my benefit for for taking a little time off and getting the right partners and right team on board for me to continue on my path. It's like that that party year some people take between college and or between high school and college. You know what I mean? I guess. So you take one year, go explore Europe, you know, go find yourself and then time to time to move up. <laughs> but it, it led me it was I don't I, I wouldn't say it like that because it put me in a position to be better prepared professionally moving forward. I was able to network more right. efficiently and to kind of get more of the pieces to the puzzle that I didn't have if I would have stayed there. Yeah. And, and you, I just like, I financially could not put myself there. So what are you going to do? Yeah. I knew that I could drive and I knew that it was important to have a media presence and there was a much broader spectrum to um, being a professional athlete, you know, that you have to have, uh, in in this whole thing, in this whole game, you, you have to be multifaceted. Yeah. Yeah, the driving is just such a small part. Like, it is it is very, very small. Like, mm -hmm. it helps. Don't get me wrong. You drive well, it's going to help. But, like, getting your program together, having a good business sense, or, you know, getting a manager or whatever, like, those are all things that need to to be focused on. The media part is, I mean, that's, I, I can't say it enough. I mean, I, I have a vested interest in it, obviously, but, like, if you're getting into the sport, find somebody and get media. Find a local dude with a camera, you know, pay him in sandwiches, tell him you're going to take him to FD with you and just get them to shoot. Like whatever you can do yeah, to get I mean, content. Stuff that you're doing at the shop, stuff that you're doing, like, you know, like really interact with your, yeah. with your fan base and your following and, and really um, connect with the, with the community, you know, is really important and just try to go out there as much as you can. Um, and just try to really find your niche. I feel like a lot of people miss that and they, they don't have their own style. That's where I feel like drifting. We've said it a few times uh, in the past hour and a half is just like the individual, the individualism behind drifting is what makes it so unique and so important to automotive culture in its entirety. Like, I think it's funny now that you'll see standard cars that have like the little stripe on the wheels. Like that's like a factory option now. And I feel like that really, yeah, I've not seen that. Yeah. Huh. They come on chargers and stuff like that. I don't know. There's some cars is, out there that I've that seen like or yellow even like with lip thing other <laughs> wheel manufacturers, aftermarket wheels, like they'll have that. It's like there's style cues that like drifting has yeah. been such a strong driving force in behind. Like, I mean, look at like what RTR is doing now. They have like, uh, and then Ken Blocka did with Ford, like where they have like drift oriented yeah. options now that are behind production vehicles. Like drifting Even, is extremely uh, I was at a car show. influential. I was at a car show and it was like clearly like a car show build. Like, I mean, it had TVs and shit in it. And it was like, it, it was on WiseFab and it had a handbrake. And like, there's no way this car has ever drifted in its life. But like, that was, you know, say what you want, say like call someone a poser or whatever you want to do. But like, I still remember guys who would like show up to car shows with a parachute and drag radials. And you're like, there's no way you ever yeah. drag race this car ever. Yeah. Like it's, it's, which if that is your car culture, if that is your car culture and that's what you want to do, 
I'm 100% here for it. If that's how you want to express yourself with a car, that's fine. But it's interesting to, as you said, with the wheel stripe, like that's what I had seen is like handbrakes and show cars. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like that now, that clout or whatever you want to say that comes with that is now moving into that well, culture. Well, no, I mean, that's what makes it dope, bro. And that's what helps the sport grow. Like take a look yeah. at like skateboarding, BMX, all of that. Like it's the emulation factor is why it's successful yes. is because not just, not everybody, bro, is doing like hard flips down 12 stairs, you know, but like people yeah. like to wear skate shoes because they look cool. And that because skaters yeah. have like a cool aesthetic, like they have that yeah. cool vibe and the culture behind it, like even rock, all of that. It's if people can attach to something and emulate that, like that's what's going to help it hit mainstream. Like that's what it needs that's to happen in order for the sport to grow to a bigger level than just the niche market. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when when everybody was like growing a Dale Earnhardt mustache, like that's the best thing that could happen for NASCAR, right? Yeah. Like, you know, even Adam LZ and Zoomies, like say what you want, but like dope. that no, will grow super drifting. Dope. That will, super dope. Yeah, that's insane. Like that, that is going, that one move will grow drifting. In, in ways that we don't even have an understanding of yet. I love seeing stuff like that. Like I saw even Donut Media now has their stuff in there. And I know Hoonigan's had their stuff yeah, in there too. Great. But like for someone like Adam, a, one individual to have his own clothing brand inside of that. Yeah, that's massive. And I think that's rad yeah. that, you know, someone has that much influence to get in there. Like all of those little things like that just help make it more mainstream and just help the entire sport grow. And I think stuff like that is just so awesome and so positive. I love yeah. it. That's we, at, at this point, like we, I think there's definitely people out there who don't want to see the sport grow. There's lots of people who are like, oh, I should just stay this like niche little thing. And I think that's a little short-sighted in my opinion. Um, I, I can I, see I get both it, sides. Like, I can see both sides because yeah. in, internally it's like you have this battle, but I think for the health of the sport and being in the position that I'm in, obviously we want to have the most amount of exposure, but you also added someone from like me, that's kind of like a purist, right? You want yeah. to hold on to that exclusivity. But I think in the long term, like, like I said, for the health of the sport, it's better for it to have more exposure and to yeah. have it integrate into, uh, into a mainstream market. I'm, I'm hoping it does soon. I mean, selfishly, like obviously like now doing this, like I hope that this, develops into something bigger. And I like, I will fully admit that's a selfish statement to me. What do you mean? Cause it's like, cool. I, well, for me, like if the sport gets bigger, I'm in a, an advantageous place to be like, yeah, I'm hosting the podcast of a sport that's exploding right now. Right. Yeah. Like that for me, like, it's just, I have to, I think I just have to acknowledge that me wanting the sport to grow rapidly is, can be considered a very selfish statement, but I also not in this position would love to see the sport do that just because I've been such a fan of it for so long. I know. And I want to see, I want to see people explode. I want to see people like yourself, like come into financial means because the the sport is gone. I want to see guys who don't have to struggle anymore and they've put, you know, years and years of their life and uh, untold amounts of debt and personal relationships that have fallen apart and all of this shit just to drive this sport have some sort of fulfillment come out to hopefully recuperate some of that. And like, ultimately nobody is going into this sport for that. 
because that doesn't exist right now. No one, no one's really getting into FD for fortune and fame. And if you are, you're getting into it for the wrong reasons. But I hope those that are there now have something that come out of it that like is like, oh, this is nice. Like I, you know, you've been at this 20 years, yep. arguably, like since at least acknowledging the sport. Yep. I'm sure it'd be nice if, if, you know, uh, uh, whatever brand, you know, uh, FedEx comes in and goes, Ryan, this is your day. You, you know, you're now a $5 million a year athlete. Right. Yeah. No, it'd be insane. Right? Man. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, you, you said it eloquently and, uh, I mean, you're, you're, re- you're definitely on the right path. Um, it'd be weird. I think everybody, it I think everybody's <laughs> working hard to get there, you know? And I, I, yeah, I definitely see that happening within the next 10 years. Hundred percent, maybe sooner. I, I think I've said it. I don't know how many times, but like all it's going to take is one of these large brands. I use DHL as a great example because like there's been reports of how much they spend on NASCAR. Their their catering bill for like two rounds of NASCAR would support an FD team for a year. Oh, easy. Like easy. That's what I'm saying. Even like, the top now field imagine, team, bro. Like Kalita Air. They're yeah, yeah. You know, the, yeah. What 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 these teams are spending on like wings or parachutes in, in a span of a, of a year is could support an entire FD team. Oh yeah. It's, it all comes down to understanding everybody's value and their worth and not, uh, not undercutting yeah. and undervaluing yourself and of those, those around you. And that's a, it's been a long thing. That's been a thing for a long time. It, it's tough. And, and that's, this kind of goes back to my education where like, if we educate drivers younger, like at a younger age, getting into the sport, Hey, approximately this is how much money you should be asking for. And if we can all raise that bar, uh, you know, the rising tide raises all ships, you know, we're still going to get, get people of, that will get out of my head. That's, that's the business. Get out of my head. I, get out I know, of my head. I know, I know. Get out of my head. Get out of my head. <laughs> but that, that comes down to education because yeah. I guarantee you ask any prospect driver how much their program is worth or how much their program should be worth at pro. They'll have no idea. They'll come at you and be like, Oh, I don't know. Like, $40,000 or something, right? Like, and you're sitting there like, holy shit, dude. Okay, like we got to get you up to speed. And like, I don't know if that just needs to be like some weird cabal dark coat meeting where you come into FD and all the guys are shrouded around you. And you're like, hey, this is your program value. Like, I don't know. I don't know how we accomplish that other than we just have to be more open with these young guys and girls coming up. Like we just, we have to do something. Uh, there's a lot of different opportunities to explore there, and I've definitely had my thoughts on it. Probably couldn't cover yeah. that in uh, in this segment, <laughs> but another segment, I would definitely, uh, I would be interested in having to sit down with maybe some other athletes I, that we could uh, we could hash out some ideas and uh, bring something into fruition that would be well balanced for everybody uh, on the field. I think I think you and I we we pour ourselves some hot toddies. We sit around Oof. and we talk the Oof. financials. I love hot toddies. <laughs> you Oof. said hot. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Yeah, I like this. Uh. I like this. I like this. You probably up in Canada. You, probably, like, right. you probably make a good one, man. You probably make good ones up there, Buddy. man. <sighs> oh yeah, I man, I've been sick all week. I won't lie. Like this past weekend, I hot toddies got me through on Sunday. Let's talk turkey. Yeah. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk turkey. Let's talk turkey. Yeah, I would love to. Um, I think I think that would be really interesting, man. I think that maybe um, you know we get a few of us up here and we could uh, we could discuss uh, we could discuss some stuff. Yeah, just we and, and like 
arguably we don't have to get into the specific financials because like I also understand that there is some of that that needs to be guarded to to keep sponsors happy and to like understand business deals. But like mm-hmm. I think speaking in general terms would be beneficial to a lot of people. And I agree. I would love to do a roundtable with maybe drivers of different experience and financial means across the board and get that perspective of like, let's talk about what the true cost of this sport is, not just the operational cost. Like let's, let's really, really talk about what this, what this sport costs. I think it all comes down to as well. Uh, like I'd previously mentioned, I mean, this is an expert hob- hobbyist D this is, this is formula D a professional uh, sanctioning yeah. body. This is, you know, these are a bunch of small is, businesses here. So it. Do you want yeah. to come into the sport to be a cool guy or are you here to be a, a professional? And I think that's a good differentiator. I think that's yeah. something that everybody has to ask themselves. And you're just talking about the burnout rate. And I think when you get to this level and the higher you climb up in the ladder, that's when you start understanding that there's a much bigger picture here. And a lot of people, when they see the bigger yeah. picture, that that's not for them. They don't want to make those sacrifices. They don't want to, um, go through the trenches in order to make that happen. That's why it's uh, that's why you got thirty two teams on the on the on the grid, and you got thirty thousand fans up in the stands. It takes and, a lot I wanna, of like, grit to make that happen. Yes, I want to clarify too that like this isn't an FD problem. This is a professional whatever situation. Like it's not a problem. This is part of it. Like mm-hmm. you want to be a top tier CEO, you need to understand what you're getting into. Yep top athlete in any sport. Like, look how many NFL players get into it and literally have to leave because of financial issues. Like, they get paid ridiculous amounts of money. No one taught this guy how to manage his money. Mm -hmm. And he has to leave the NFL because of debt collectors. That has happened. Like, this is just, whenever you get to the top level of anything, the rewards are higher and the risks are way higher. Like, that's just how it is. And there's no guarantee that it's going to pan out for you either. You know, nope. like you just gotta, you you yeah. gotta just focus on why you're there and what, yeah. what your long-term goals are. You know, you gotta have a, you gotta have a path and a plan to get there. It's not just like, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm in it for the moment. Like you gotta have a vision and you gotta. You're looking, you're looking, you're planning years ahead. Like if, yes. if you're just struggling to get through the year, it's going to be tough. And and it happens. There are guys who are just struggling to get through the year that clean it up and figure it out and make their way. Mm-hmm. But like at some point, you need to start looking at two, three, five, ten 10 years and going, what's the plan? What am I going to do? How? What's the end game here? Like The older you get, the faster the years come by, man. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, there's always somebody up that's, that's younger and newer coming up that's hungry as well, you know? But um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think anybody that's watching this and they're, you're, you're really contemplating what you're doing here. You just got to really find out if this is what you really want to do. You want to be here at the top. I think it's easy to look from the outside in to scrutinize and be like, oh, this and this and that. It's like, really come out here, really do it. Like, with like the best way I put it is you're swimming in a sea of sharks. Yeah. And there's the a lot, time. there's a lot to that statement. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's an interesting life, but I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I'm I'm really stoked on all of the opportunity that I've had to pursue this path and and I'm really excited looking into the future to to move it forward onto to another level. So yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Sick. 
Um, I couldn't put it any better. Any shout outs, anything you want to wrap with? Any Anything we want to close out with? Oh, man, shout out to all my sponsors, uh, Power Stop Brakes, Collab Garage, uh, Index Electric. Uh, you know, there's, these guys just had such a, um, a massive impact in my life and my career and just pushing everything forward. Um, huge thanks. Thank you to all my team members, my, my family, my, my lady Phoenix. She's always doing a bunch of work for me on the side and just always in my corner and my, my dogs for behaving most of the time and loving us unconditionally. <laughs> uh, formula D for just, you know, putting on an awesome show and giving us a platform for us to be able to showcase our, our skills and, and to perform at the top level, man. That's uh, and thank you for your time for, for having me on the show today. It was awesome. I'm glad we got to do it, man. It was funny. We were, we were back and forth kind of throughout the season. You'd be like, man, when's it going to happen? And I'm like, all right. And then we finally got it all sorted. It's, it's tough, man. There's a lot of guys to get through. And I'm glad we, I'm glad we, I, I'm, I'm happy with the timing. I'm glad we got through the season. We could wrap it. You got everything kind of solved. I think if we were to have chatted earlier when things were really rough, it would be a very different show. Totally. And I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. Everything happens for it a worked reason, out. bro. It, worked out. it happens the way that it's supposed yes, to happen. Sir. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Well, um, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for everybody listening at home, everybody watching. Um, if you are listening, make sure to check out the YouTube. Some great artwork behind Ryan that uh, you need to need to at least, you know, I got that in, the beach take a look at. It's a local support, local artist, okay? I like that. Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. Uh, yeah. Thank you, everybody. And I uh, appreciate everyone's time and listening and watching. And we'll catch everybody next week. 